Welcome to the FishCast. This week's episode gets heated as we discuss the big three in Florida. The Gators go down to the Kentucky Wildcats. Miami goes down to Virginia. And FSU grits it out and beats the Syracuse Orangemen. Good afternoon and welcome to the FishCast. My name is Corey Long. Joined by Charles Fishbein. What's up, Fish? Doing good, man. Ready to go. Joined by Coach Demo. What's up, Demo? Can't hear you, Demo. Demo's on. Oh my God, we got him on mute. We got him on mute. Really? I don't. I don't know. He's got himself on mute. He's got himself on mute. Unmute yourself. There. There you go. Oh, there. I'm good. Wait, I thought good. I thought after all this time you would have learned how to unmute yourself. Learn how to unmute yourself. It's, it's okay. I just I just like Corey Spirit Airlines story. Oh man! Oh no! It was gonna be uh, it was gonna be <laughs> bad. It's gonna be a bad one, but I'm not gonna. It's a long drawn out process. I'm not gonna get into it. Uh, I'll tell I'll tell you guys off the air. Anyway, uh. We're going to come hot out of the box because pretty much everybody, with the exception of Florida State, lost this week. And I don't like to talk about the winners too early. The losers are way more interesting. There's a lot going on with these teams that have lost. Um, First of all, Miami played Thursday. Uninspired game. Lost 30-28 to to Virginia on a, on a last-second field goal. Uh, pretty, pretty makeable field goal. Bounced off the goalposts leaving them two and three this is not this season has not gone well for Miami it hasn't been what they expected it would be they get blown out by Alabama um they lose this game to Virginia they get blown out by Michigan State now Michigan State and Bama are undefeated the loss to Virginia pretty bad um first of all how bad is this loss second of all I mean, what is what, what? Where's Miami's mindset going to be for these final seven games in the season? Now that they're starting to see everything that they want to play for get checked off so early. You know, I was going to try to get on this topic later, but I'm going to get on it right now. There's a lot of things in football and in sports called analytics, computers. Mm-hmm. All right, but what they don't realize is there's a huge human element to the game of football. No one in their right mind thought that kid was going to miss the field goal. It was human element that made him miss the field goal. Not a computer, not analytics. You know, same thing, and I know we're going to get on in a second, but the same thing in the Clemson game. Everybody thought BC was going to beat Clemson. Well, they were on a drive to do it, but no computer thought that the center was going to snap the ball and shotgun a little bit to the quarterback's left. The quarterback was going to drop the ball. Clemson was going to get on it. Game over. Nobody, nobody expected that. The computer didn't say that was going to happen. So what people have to realize is when you get back into football, there's a human element to this entire game. Those analytics and computers and smart guys only can get you so far. It's what the players do on the field that counts. And I know Miami was playing for a field goal at the end of the game to win it, but it just goes to show you when that guy missed it, it that was it. It was over. I mean, it was a human element. You know, I, I understand the right play is to go for the field goal. I don't have a problem with them going for a field goal. What I have is up towards that field goal, they were dominating Virginia in the fourth quarter. They were getting big plays, big chunk plays. 
you got to score a touchdown there and, and put Virginia away. Uh, you score there. I just, I don't, I wonder if they had faith in their defense of holding Virginia uh, from scoring on them. And I, I just, when they set up, you could see it early in that drive that they were setting up for a field goal. They were not setting up for a touchdown and I hate relying on field goal kickers. I don't care how good they are. College football, there's too much that could go wrong. This isn't the pros where these guys are pretty much automatic. They, you know, first off, they were up, set up on the right side of the hash. And then all of a sudden, they try to make it easier. Well, maybe, maybe they should have just left it on the right hash mark and let them kick it from there. But I, I just thought up until that point, Miami had Virginia on the ropes. Virginia's defense was tired. I think you got to punch it in there and score a touchdown. You can't worry about, listen, Virginia used all their timeouts. They, they forced them to use all their timeouts. Miami had three timeouts left. So if they don't make it on that drive, they still had a chance on that, on another possession with three timeouts to still come back and maybe win the game at the end with another opportunity, but to just run, to take the air out of your offense, which was, dominating them in that on the last two drives I mean they were running at will on Virginia they took the air out of their offense and I think that and with Miami being a team that was on the ropes as it is uh mentally that they took the air out of the offense and they lost that game and I and I hate to say it that goes on the coaches it doesn't go on the players I'm not putting the it on a player a field goal kicker that uh he has to come out as a freshman and, and, and hit a game-winning field goal uh, on live TV in front of a big audience, I think it's a lot to ask, and that's just my opinion on it. Fish, you know, I know I got off the topic a little bit, but this is all analytics. This is what the computer said to do. The computer said, play for the field goal. The human element said, you're kicking your rear end in a running game. You got three timeouts left. Go score a touchdown. But the computer says, play it safe. Go for the field goal. This guy's automatic. He's, he's, he's nine for nine or whatever. He's 100%. Well, he wasn't 100% at that one time, and that's what killed him. But you're right. People rely too much on analytics and computers, and this is what this says, and I'm smarter than you. Just play football. But sometimes what's it's going for you, go for it. Sometimes you it's know? gut. I mean, we talk, exactly. I've, talked, I've talked to Corey about this in baseball. I've seen the setup guy come out. He goes one, two, three, and the, and the, and the manager goes, well, I, got, I have to throw on my reliever now. Well, why not give that guy one more pitch, a guy to pitch to in the ninth inning if he's that hot? Sometimes just leave them in there. Not everything has to be off of a sheet. Sometimes it's a gut. I think the I think the great coaches go off a gut. They don't go off that spreadsheet all the time. I honestly, I think any other coach uh, 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 at that situation isn't going off the analytics. They're saying, "Listen, we they had them on the ropes. I mean, Virginia yep. was gassed. Game was over. gassed. It was game over. And then I think what you do is you score a touchdown and you rely on your defense." You got there. They were starting to make plays. You have three timeouts too. They had none. Like everything, every, every advantage was yours. And you took that advantage away by going soft and playing for a field goal. And you know what? They lost. And that's on the coaches. That's called human element. We all know the story of a one time a defensive coordinator called the play in the game. And after the game, he was asked by the media, why did you call that play on that play? It, it went for a touch. The other team scored a touchdown. Well, the computer analyst said if the ball's on the 10-yard line on the left hash with two minutes to go, that I should call this play. 
He didn't let he didn't let his human instinct call the play. He let the computer do it, and human element took over for the offense. That's the problem. What's going on in football right now? Everybody's Duh! that's the problem. I mean the uh, the issue with analytics in college football. Uh, I mean, really, it's one of those things that the lower the level of football you go in, the far less it, it deals with because it becomes so much more about the team with the better players. Now, in the NFL, I see where analytics has a high place where everybody's so talented and every player, you know, the, 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 the difference between the best player, like there's your best linebacker and your worst linebacker is very minimal in most cases. But in college football, like, and this is funny, it's like you can't be having the analytics and having the recruiting rankings because they tell you two different things, you know? You'd be very surprised, Corey. You'd be very, you know, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you'd be very surprised best, what these college coaches do because they think they're smarter. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting all of the best players, you're probably going to win. Analytics be damned, you know, because you have the best players. If anything, your analytics might, fail you from using those players properly so but well, no, if, you, if you sit in those if you sit in meetings at college level they use oh, it more than the nfl oh i'm oh yeah i mean there's well yeah but because that's how these young guys correct jobs that have never played the game before that's how they have to justify their existence because correct. they think that they can act, they think that they're so good at diagramming a play that it'll overtake the talent element which it doesn't. It doesn't come yep. close. If it did, Alabama wouldn't win a title every year. But they do because they're the most talented team. You know. You know, I'll tell you another thing and then and then we can move on. But you know, I was I thought Florida's gonna win hands down Saturday uh, Saturday. But don't even talk to me about it. Florida's winning. Oh but then what I did, that. but then but here's what I did. Shame on me. Here's what I did. On Friday, they filmed Stoops talking to his team. And they filmed Mullins talking to his team. It was like something ESPN was doing or somebody was doing it. When I listened to Stoops, I knew, I said, darn it, I made a mistake. Because there was a human element that Stoops was reaching out to his team saying, this, 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 and this. When you listen to Mullins, I was shocked. It was like standard and operating procedure. And Stoops was like, no, we're doing this, this, we're going to do. And I was like, that's it. I'm stupid. Kentucky's winning. But that was the human element. And that's where I made the mistake. Now, um, before we get on to Florida, I am because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mock both of you since they were your surprise team. Well, hey, surprise, yeah. they lost. Anyway, before we go on. Yeah, but I did say yeah, – I, I did – no, I did say that Kentucky was going to give them a game. Stop there. that bull. Stop you'll, that bull. You'll, you'll, but, but, but I was like eight for one, but that's okay. Just get out of the one, but I was like eight yeah, for one. Um, but before we get there, Manny Diaz, uh, two and three. Hot seat, not hot seat. What are we thinking? I think hot seat. How hot? I think uh, they got to beat North Carolina or he may not have a job the following week. Wow. I think it's depending how the rest of the season goes, but you're right, Fish. If he goes on a little bit of a losing streak, it could get ugly. Yeah. I mean, would they make it? I mean, the way, you know, the way that the ESD is is set up now, it's almost like you have to fire coaches in season. You can't fire them after the season. You have to pretty much have your new close coach in place by then, or you just end up sacrificing an entire recruiting class. It's interesting. All right. Well, now we'll go on to your surprise team, the Florida Gators. Don't uh, worry. They got the transfer portal. <laughs> That's your surprise team, the Florida Gators, who only had nine shots, uh, nine goal line shots to tie Kentucky 
on Saturday and analytically came up with some of the most uninspired play calls I've seen You're right. a football team have. And, and no, this isn't really to, to downgrade. I mean, give Mark Stoops credit. Kentucky's fine. Right. They have yep. played butts off this season. They have not, they're not a pretty team by any stretch of the imagination. They're not an aesthetically beautiful team, but damn it, they play hard. They play hard. They hit. They play physical. And frankly, they decided the Florida Gators were not going to run the football on them. And they did not run the football on them. And we got to see Emory Jones throw the ball more than he want, more than they wanted him to and in uncomfortable situations. And he was not very good at it. Um, that being said, you have nine shots to tie a game. Nine inside the goal. And you and you just I just thought there was there was a lot of breakdown there besides the fact that Kentucky just outplayed them. I, I thought Florida just, they, they, they were not there. They were not there mentally. They at times were not there physically. It was 20 to 13 is it's a close score, but when you look at the effort level put out, Florida just wasn't close to matching what Kentucky did. You're right, Corey. And, and I got to give credit to fish fish is a stoops believer. And, when I heard him talk to the team on Friday night, it was on TV because they showed it. I was convinced that Kentucky was going to win at that point because the way he spoke to his team and what he demanded and asked them to do. And, you know, that, that's, that's the human element of the game. And, and right then and there, I said, boy, Florida's going to be in trouble because I just heard it. I felt it. Anyway, I was wrong. I mean, if you look at the last three times they've been up there, they've lost now two of the three times. And one of the times they went up there, they should have lost the other one so florida has problems going to lexington now and playing you know and winning ball games up there kentucky's you know full you know, it was a full house and stoops has that team playing at a high level for the talent level they have on that team and he's a very good coach i mean what he's done at kentucky outside of maybe james franklin at vanderbilt has not been done before maybe you're talking back in the tim couch days how mummy may have won um, some ball games there, but Kentucky's never won at this level that Stoops has done, and and he's done a great job there. And he should be considered for some other jobs, to be honestly, uh, if they open up. I think he deserves an opportunity at a bigger time job. Yeah, um, but and yeah, and I, I've I've been a you know I've been a big Mark Stoops guy for years, mainly because I love the way he built Kentucky. I love the foundation that he set in the way that they were going to always play hard be good on the lines, be good at running the football. Um, you know, and, and they played Florida so hard. You know, this was, um, you know, they beat them in the swamp a couple of years ago for that first victory in umpty million years. And now they get their first victory, and I think, since 86 in Lexington. So, you know, great, great job by Kentucky. Um, what, I mean, we're, we're all, we're all pretty we're all pretty good, pretty big good Dan Mullen fans, I would say. But this is his big criticism, is that his teams just go brain dead. They go brain dead. They're going to lose games they're not supposed to lose. And that's why he'll never get to a championship level. Here we are again, Florida, three and two, two conference losses. So they're out of the conference race. Georgia ain't losing twice. I am fail to see where they're going to lose once, much less twice. And... I, I, just, mean, I mean, now don't get me wrong. They'll go 10 wins. To say, to say he's never going to win. I, I'm just getting to the point. Like, 
I look, I look, no, but I looked at a list of coaches today. All uh-huh. right. And everybody sits there and talks about these coaches and this and that. Every coach outside of Nick Saban is losing two times a year, pretty much. Mm-hmm. All right. Dan Mullen does not have a championship caliber team. They, we thought they would overachieve and possibly get there, but this was a team with two new quarterbacks. They lost their best player at tight end. At the end of the day, yes, Demo and I said, you know what? We thought this was a sleeper team because the way the schedule was set up. We thought they would beat Kentucky. They didn't beat Kentucky, but it's not like it's a shock that they lost to Kentucky and that this team's not going to make the playoffs. They weren't an, a playoff team before the season started. They were going to try to make themselves a playoff team. This idea that ever it's like if you lose now, you suck as a coach. Oh, Jimbo loses. He can't coach. Mullen loses. He sucks as a coach. Mario loses. He sucks as a coach. Well, who the hell's winning? Who's winning? Kirby right. Smart and, and Ryan. Three coaches are winning 90%. I just put out a list today on a message board. There's three coaches that are above 80%. Three. Three out of all of college football. So does that mean that every other coach sucks? I'm so tired of this argument. I really am. These guys are all good coaches. You put freaking Dan Mullen at Alabama, he's going to win a freaking national title. You know, maybe Florida fans should stay. They didn't want Urban Meyer when he was there. Oh, he won two national championships. Oh, they didn't like Urban Meyer. Let's bring Steve Spurrier back. Maybe Spurrier will come back for Dan Mullen. I'm heated about this because you know what? It's fans that are freaking idiots that continue to st- go over this argument that if you lose a ball game, you're a bad football coach. Every freaking coach loses, all right? You go look at Saban. How many of his national titles did he not have a loss during that year? There, teams don't go undefeated. To go undefeated is a very difficult task. Bobby's one of the greatest coaches. How many of his teams went undefeated? One team? One, one, one. of his teams. Uh, It's just like, all right, I get over it. The coaches lose. Sorry, fans, they lose. I see Miami fans going, oh, I don't want Mario Cristobal. Who the hell do you want? Who do you want? Bill Walsh is dead. Bill Belichick ain't coaching the Dolphins. Nick Saban's not. like Mario Cristobal's not coaching him either. No, I'm just saying, like, even, but if he wanted to go there, there's fans going, oh, I I wouldn't, I don't want Mario. Then who do you want? Like, I'm telling you, name the freaking coaches that are elite. And I'm going to tell you, all right, there ain't many of them that don't lose two or three games every year. It just, it doesn't exist. College football has become parody. Demo knows this. Demo's been on teams that he was on a Rutgers team that beat Louisville. That was, I, I, they made the top five. And then you have to go on the road and play a West Virginia team. It's hard to get college kids up every week. I, I just don't think fans realize how difficult it is to go undefeated. It just, it's not, it doesn't exist. It's very difficult uh, to go undefeated, but it's the opportunities there. But you got to bring your A game every week, especially you play in somebody's conference like the SEC. You can't afford one slip up because if the kids from the other SEC team are playing at a high level, you're in trouble. And that's what happens. So when I saw that speech, I seen Stoops connecting with his players that night, that day. I did not see Mullins connecting with his players. It was more of a, let's just go out and do what we do and we'll win. And Stoops was saying, no, we got to play at this level up here and we'll go out and win. And that's what they did. But I think, Fish, what gets people upset is when these coaches start talking about high expectations. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. If they just be quiet and coach 
what they're going to find is a lot of good things are going to happen. But the fans get upset when they hear these coaches say, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Just relax. Coach your team. You know inside what you're going to do. Get them ready and go surprise people rather than disappoint people. I think that's that's the thing. But you're right, Fish. It's impossible to go undefeated out. It's like nearly impossible. Demo, three coaches in college football right now, all right, out of 130 teams are above 80% winning percentage. Three. That means the rest of the coaches are losing two games a year, Correct. right? That so what? There's only three great coaches and the rest suck. I, I just it's it's listen. It is not. First off, Kentucky is not a game that Florida gets up for. They've already played Alabama. They've already played. You know, it's it's and they should get up for them. But you know, as a coach, that those. Oh, those kids go on the road. They saw Kentucky struggle a couple times already earlier this year. They think, all right, we show up with our B or C game. We're still going to beat them. That's and right. That's just how it's a mentality. It's hard as a coach. That's right. To get, I, listen, I talked to Kevin Steele once about this and we were, he was getting ready for the Florida state, the Florida state Miami game. I said, how's the team doing? He goes, this is the best week of practice, but that's the case every year. He goes, it's easy to get up for Miami it's easy to get up for Florida. It's easy to get up for Clemson. He goes, when we play Wake Forest, that is the week we have to coach the hardest because I agree. kids just look across the field and automatically assume that they're going to beat that team. And that's why it's so difficult to win in college football. The well, fans that's why just I, don't I go get back that. to saying, Fish, when I heard him speak, it was more of a we could do this. We got this team because better. He even, he even believed that they were going to just show up. It. He's like, if in his mind, it's like, all right, if we just show up today and play our B game, let's get out of here. It'll be an easy win. That's correct. That's on him. Yeah. I'm not blaming him for that. That's he shouldn't have that mentality because coaches should think every week they could lose, but it doesn't, that doesn't, that's not human nature. Human nature is to let down against less quality opponents. It happens in the NFL. It happens in college. It doesn't happen in high school, but it does happen a lot. And I, I understand that. I mean, Kentucky was four and zero, and I always think it's always. I always think you, even if you don't think they're legitimate four and zero, now they're five and zero. But you know, there is part of you that should always want to take that O from a team, especially when they're undefeated. That at that point in the season, especially when you know they're ahead of you in your conference standings, when you know that you're a better team than they are. I'm not. You know, everybody loses. There's no doubt about that. You just don't always have the weeks that you could, you could put it all together. I was more surprised than anything about how I just thought Florida lacked effort at times. It just didn't, they, they just, they, they just didn't have the effort to get to the plays that they should have third and shorts that turned into first downs that shouldn't have been third and shorts that turned into punt situations that shouldn't have been, you know, they, they just, you know, on offense, they just, I don't, you know, and, and, you know, I, I don't know, you know, obviously we're dealing with kids. You're dealing with a lot of, you know, uh, uh, trying to mentally get up every week. But there's one thing that you, you bring, and you have to bring that effort. And You're talking about 18, 19-year-old kids most of the they're time. They're not all 18 and 19, all right? Most, so most 22 and 23. Yeah, at so, BYU, all right, yeah. yeah. Florida, too. There's some 50-year seniors on All that. right, Emory Jones and Richardson and, and most of that offense are young kids. Let's be. Davis is a fourth-year senior. Some guys uh, uh, have been around. They know what the hell. Right. 
So they yeah. didn't. They lost, and that's yeah. why they, they yeah, lost. You're just pissed. You bet on. You're just pissed. You bet on the Gators. It was a better team. I, just admit you bet on the Gators, it was a and you're better pissed team off. And they yeah. did not win. Yeah. That's what happened. Hey, we know he lost. He went to Vegas and got his win. Just admit it. Just Spirit Airlines. God, Spirit Airlines. Hey, you got to at least admit you bet on the Gators, and that's why you freaking are mad. You know, that's, I'm not mad because I could lose. I lose the team. I lose every. I lost on UCF. Also, I'm not mad. Well, they, they lost better when they lost Gabriel. You should have known better. But oh, I, I, mean, I don't think they'd lose the Navy. But I actually thought Navy. I and it was weird. It was more of a second half over bet than the actual. It was just a score points bet, and they couldn't score a touchdown late. Um, and well, you know, and UCF was kind of in the same boat that Florida was. Better see, winless. See, Corey, it's it's still culture. Like UCF, that guy there is still building the culture. What you can say what you want about Mullins, but I still think I still think he's building the culture there. Now you look at you, you look at Clemson. You can say what you want about Davo and his staff. They built the culture. So those teams, those kids, when they get in a close game like they get his Boston College, they believe they can win. I don't care if it's a fumble, a mishap, a, a stupid thing. They believe they can win. Whether, whether, and that's, that's why they're winning. But Timo, Kentucky, uh, Florida went to the Kentucky game thinking they were automatically going to just show up and win. Let's be honest. They played, I said that when go, I heard the speech to the team. Yeah, yeah I mean, Stoops, you go look. Stoops you, got his team. Stoops, you, you go you look at this. You want to play that day. You want yeah, to play I mean, you go look at what Kentucky's done this year. They're not – they didn't blow anyone out, all right? They've been – I mean, you, you look – uh, Louisiana Monroe, yeah, they beat them 45-10, but Missouri 35-28, Chattanooga 28-23, South Carolina 16-10. Florida thought, all right, South Carolina, yep. who's not a good football team, nope. this team barely beat them, all right, and that they were going to go in their house and they were going to beat them badly. And that's just what happened. But the weird thing is, like I said, it, it, it's been years since Kentucky's been a pushover victory for Florida. But it's it not something, but it's just human years. nature. It doesn't matter how many years. None of those guys on that roster have played Kentucky and ever pushed them over. They've beaten them, but they've never pushed them over. So right. the idea they didn't think it was going to be tough, I think, is was a load of crap. Because right. I just, I disagree. It's always been tough. See, see, see guys, just win, and there's no need. There's no need for excuses. There's no need for no. culture. Kentucky nope. was a better team on the field. That's why they, they beat them. No doubt. But I'll say this. There's a fine line when you handle kids. You can't be too tough and you can't be too soft. Demo, if you, go, if you go one way or the other, if you go one way or the other too hard, you're going to lose them. You um, have to walk the fine line. And, and, and a lot of these coaches do walk the fine line, and that's why they're successful. The ones that go one way or the other, they're, they're not going to win. Hey, on last week's pod, uh, you could go back and listen to it. I said that this game, because they're playing at Kentucky – could be a pitfall and, and they could, I didn't, I wasn't saying they were going to lose, but the game could be close. All right. right. So this I idea agree. that this is some shocker is not a no. shocker. I just, no, I picked Florida. I'll say it. I picked Florida, but I picked Florida the way they played against Alabama, huh. the way they played against Tennessee. Hmm. I didn't pick That's That's the stupid computer telling me pick Florida. Pick, and I didn't listen yeah. to, 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 to those speeches that night. When I heard those speeches, I said, Stoops got this team ready to play. Hey, all right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on real quickly. Uh, UCF loses the Navy. USF loses at SMU, although they played pretty competitive again. They're actually doing some things. Willie Taggart just smokes Butch Davis in the Shula Bowl this year. They scored like thirty. They scored like thirty-seven unanswered or something in the second half. They absolutely whipped them. Uh, 
throw a parade in Tallahassee. Florida State got off the schneid this week. Despite a Heisman-level performance by the Syracuse quarterback, what's his name? I don't even know. Who is the Syracuse quarterback? Despite a Heisman-level performance by him, Florida State did enough. They actually played for the last second field goal and got it. Their worst-case scenario was was would have went to overtime. Uh, 33-30, 1-4 now. Um I, I watched a lot of the game. I mean, I watched about 20 games on the screen at Westgate. So you're, you're watching different things at different times, but it, I, it looked like, it looked like a game that FSU was in fairly in control of until they just weren't anymore, but they, they gutted it out. So I'm not gonna, you know, I, I, those, I'm happy for those kids to get a win because it's, it's been a long time. Well, I, I told you that Florida State was going to win. I didn't yeah. care if they won by half oh, a point. Congratulations. I, I thank you. And I and I think it was it was like they won the Super Bowl down there. It's a shame, but that's what they act like. It's a shame. But, but, but my point was they were going to win by half a point. Syracuse, you know, I got nothing bad to say about them, but they're a terrible football team. I mean, they're terrible. Kids are in the transfer portal. They lost four the week before. They lost another one before the game. I mean, it's, it's, it's falling apart. So when they came down to Tallahassee, they had to play their A game to beat Florida State. Florida State was going to win that game. If Florida State went up to the Dome, it would have been different. But Florida State had to play for the winning field goal. Miami didn't have to do that. Florida State did. They needed to win. You know what I mean? And they thought the kid was going to make the field goal. But the thing about it is, when I seen the celebrations, I was like, holy smokes, they act like they beat Florida last game of the year and they're undefeated. Oh, gosh. That was good. Dima, they haven't won in a while there. Second of all. I know. I listen. We we can't we can't just sit there and bash these guys when they lose and then You're not right. praise them when they win. No, I'm happy. Yes, with yes, no, Syracuse is yes, Syracuse isn't a good football team. But the one thing is about this Florida State football team this year is they're showing resiliency. They they're are. showing that they will fight for four quarters. They haven't quit in a game yet this year. They are they are a better coach football team this year. Now it may not show in the record. But the team is not quitting. I they I watch the game again. Their run game is the strength of this team. Even with Jordan Travis, their ability to run the ball is the strength. Their wide receiver room is a mess. I don't think they're going to fix that without going to recruit. That's only going to get better once they start recruiting better players. Um, it's a pity that Dennis Briggs got hurt uh, because I think that's a big loss for Florida State. They lost a starter on their yeah. D line where they don't have a lot of depth. And this was our concern going into the season. They could probably send 22 guys out there to compete. It's once they started to get deeper in the season and that depth started to dissipate on the old line. They already had injuries on the old line. Now you're seeing them on the D line. This is a big win for them just to get some momentum. Um, they got a big game this week up at North Carolina. You know, it's, it, it's not a good matchup. And hopefully, for their sake, they could keep it. They got to get to the fourth quarter. Just don't turn the ball over. Play field position. Try to limit the big plays. I mean, North Carolina can't get 60-yard touchdowns and broken coverages. You're going to give up plays. I understand that. But you don't have to give up big touchdowns. A 50-yard play, but you stop the team and you keep them out of the end zone, you could do that. Florida State has to play one of their best games of the year, I believe, to win this game. But you know what? They won, and North Carolina already lost to a very bad Georgia Tech team 
I don't think that we've already seen that the ACC is not very good this year. And Florida State now goes from pretty much a guaranteed loss in most of these games with where they actually have a shot now, a fighter's puncher's chance to win some of these games. So we'll see what happens. And who was the quarterback for Florida State that game? Uh, Jordan Travis. Jordan oh. Travis. So they used the, they didn't use McKenzie Melton. They used the other guy. So against North Carolina, they're going to use both. But here's you have to have Lady Luck on your side. That last play of the game when that quarterback spun out and went down the sideline, he could have lost about 15 yards if he got sacked. But he spun out, went down the sideline, gained about 20 yards or more, and it was an easier field goal. But George, uh, uh, McKenzie couldn't have done that. He would have got sacked. So that's the why you used the two quarterbacks. The other kid is more mobile. But congrats to Florida State. I think as long as Travis is some semblance of healthy, the two-quarterback system at Florida State is pretty much dead because just Milton can't do a lot anymore. You'll see Milton, North Carolina, guaranteed. You'll see him in this game. 100%. I don't know if you'll see him a lot, though. I don't know if you're going to see him getting more than a few snaps. The problem is is if Florida State falls behind, Milton gives them their only chance of keeping it relatively close. That's that's the thing. is They're going to have to throw in this game – to keep no, no, he's not he's not he's not been a good thrower. He's not been a good thrower. I'm not saying he's gonna be he's a good thrower. He's just so it doesn't, you know, they're not gonna get anything with the passing game. They gotta throw to keep anything close. They could put it anybody outside of John Elway isn't gonna get him close to that, you know, because they just don't have any receivers. Oh, they man. John Elway. Like, yeah, Corey, you're it. just Corey, you're just rough, man. You're just I know I know that I good enough passer. To make up for this horrible group of receivers, Dude, isn't he? Like you're getting upset at us because the people on Spirit treated you badly. I mean, like that's I not our fault. You you I, I get it. Funny. Did, I, I really will leave the conversation. <laughs> if I don't want to be serious, but no, I'm. You know, he's not a good. I mean, if they got a throw, they're going to bring him in. He can't throw because these guys can't catch. So it doesn't matter. My point is. They got to throw to be kept in a game. They're out of the game because they can't throw. Even when they're even when they're trailing big, their best chance at getting plays is through their running game. Like they cannot get anything through their passing game. What are they going to throw to Andrew Parchment? No, but throw? I they showed last week that they on the screens and freaking lateral passes that they had they were effective. I mean, they threw to their guys on the outside and were able to take advantage. Listen, North Carolina's defense can be had it's not a very good defense and yeah florida state's offenses but their offenses and certain parts of that game were able to make some plays i know yeah. it's syracuse i get it but yeah. i see certain things where i see some positives maybe you don't see them but i actually see some positives on their offense they're starting to grow a little bit i'm not saying they're going to be this great no, offense I, I, but you know, I, offensively i i don't mind where they are i mean i think they're horribly uncreative but i think that they can actually get things done um, I'm, you know, defensively, as we saw last week, you know, Syracuse quarterback, what's his name, put up, had a career day. God knows what Sam Howell can do to this team if he gets some level of protection. Um, but um, I, I actually, like, I don't think they're playing bad football. And I told you this, like, as it goes down, I'm not sure what their final record would be. I, obviously, I think they can beat, they sh- they'll, they'll beat UMass. I feel like, I think they could beat Miami. I really do. I think they're playing better football than Miami is right now. And if they go three and nine with a win over Miami, it's going to be a lot better than if they go three and nine with a win over anybody else outside of maybe Florida, which ain't going to happen. 
So I, I actually think that they're playing decent football, given that they're not a super talented team. You know, but they're, what, they're yeah. not playing themselves out of games. See, see, what happens is when you turn on the TV and watch Team A, whoever that team may be, you expect a certain kind of play. When you watch Alabama play, you expect a certain kind of level of play. When you don't get it, you're disappointed. Same thing when I, when I watched Florida. I just expected a certain level of play. I didn't see it. I didn't get it. I was disappointed. Okay? A lot of times that does fall on the coaches, whether it be the head coach or the assistants, because they do take on the identity of their coach. Regardless of what you may think, they do, whether it's the position coach or whether it's the head coach. And if anyone gives them a way out, some sort of a way out, the kids are going to be like, oh, okay, we, 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 okay, we just got to show up. But if you stay on point with them constantly, it's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve, whether it be the first quarter or the last quarter. That's kind of what you're seeing a little bit like Fish said in Florida State, the resiliency. Because they could have given up many times. They really could have because everybody's like, oh, my God. And, and rightfully so. But they are resilient, and that's a sign of Mike Norville. Yeah. I mean, the team's fight. They're, they're showing fight in all these games. Like, we talk about – my listen, Miami has a better roster and better team. Yes. All right, Corey? And I think you agree with that. Why you're saying Florida State has a chance to beat them is that Florida State's playing better as a team – and yeah. they're gonna, they're probably gonna be playing better by that time of the season as well as a team. So that's why they have a shot. If you look at the two rosters, it's not close. I mean, they shouldn't be in that game, but it, it's you know, it's, you know, it's very possible. Yeah, I think I think when that game comes down, because I don't I don't know. Here's the thing: Florida State's lost so much that I I can tell you where I think this team is mentally. There's like you both said, they're still in the fight. So if they don't, if they only beat UMass between now and the Miami game, I still think they're going to be engaged mentally. I don't yeah. know where Miami is. Yeah. One, you know, Miami is completely a wild card. They, that is a team that absolutely could go off the cliff. So that, that, that to me is a difference in that game. And this isn't to say that Florida State, and, you know, I don't want Florida State fans to get all hyped up. Yeah, we're going to beat Miami. Miami's a bad team. Florida State's a bad team. They're both bad teams. One team might be less bad on a particular day. But, uh, you know, overall, I can say I think Florida State's playing better football. You know, they're, they're playing better four-quarter football than Miami is right now. I haven't I, – I see them as a team that just continues to try hard. Um, and it's not always working on defense. Their defense is just bad at times. Uh, but I don't, I don't look at it as they're bad due to lack of effort. I do that as they're bad due to lack of a lot of other things, some of which have been teaching, some of which have been talent, some of which have just been, you know, being in, a, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and, I, I mean, I'm curious. I mean, Florida State's an intriguing – they intrigue me for the rest of the year. Because I do think that I'm curious of what's going to be considered a success for this team this year. And it, it, I'm curious because it goes along with, and this is something I was talking with you about off air fish yesterday, that the expectations have gotten so much lowered at Florida State. And I, I'm curious how comfortable they are, and I'm not talking about this coaching staff. These, I'm talking about this program in general, and that goes from the administration on down. 
they're a little too comfortable with lower expectations right now. And that's the part that worries me. Corey, I've discussed this many times. Luckily for us or Florida State's program that recruits usually don't look at the situations the same as the fans. Yes, the recruits want them to win, but a lot of the recruits they're recruiting think that they're the difference between Florida State winning these games and not. And they haven't been blown out. And a loss is a loss. I don't believe in moral victories. But the program as a whole to some of these recruits may not look as bad to them as it does to us or some fan base. It's just that's what those I, – I don't believe Mike Norvell sat there and told these kids that all committed before the year, hey, we're going 10-0 and 0 or 12-0 and 0 and winning the ACC. I think he told them, and listen, we're not going to win until you guys get here. Now we're going to try to hold up the fort till you get here, but it's going to be difficult. We need you to get Florida State back to that next level, and that is their recruiting pitch. And 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 either the recruits believe it or not, and it seems like they believed it, or they wouldn't still be committed. I don't think these kids thought that Florida. Listen, we thought best case scenario this team was going six and six. But everything had to go right for six and six. You and I talked about it how many times this offseason. Is it going to be three wins? Is it going to be four wins? Is it going to be five wins? We're like, where are the wins going to come? And when they lost the Jacksonville State game, that was one of their high percentage wins that they lost. So that that lessened the likelihood of them going 500. And now you're. it's like you look at it. I think right now what Mike Norvell wants to do is keep these games competitive. And, and show something to these recruits like, hey, listen, we lost this game by three points or we lost it by less than a touchdown. You're the difference between us winning and losing. And that's what they're selling. You can't look at the record because they're not going to have a good record. And I think Norvell and that staff understand that. They're not stupid. They watch that film every day. They watch practice. They know what they have there. Now it's up to them to get players to come in. Whether they could do that or not is, is up to them. They get paid a lot more than I do. But I think Demo will tell you the same thing, that he's been on bad football teams. And you have to – if you're a good recruiter, you'll convince that kid, listen, man, you're the difference between me and me winning and losing these games. And those kids buy into it. Demo told kids at Hawaii when they – Demo was going into kids' homes – Oh, you come over here. It's like South Beach. It's this, it's that, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, these kids vision themselves. And, and he said, listen, you're going to be playing against USC in the opening game. What were all those kids doing? Playing against USC. So they felt like Demo didn't let them down or lie to them. So I think that that's what Norvell's selling is, hey, you're the difference between us winning and losing these games. You're going to help bring Florida State back. And what's bigger to an ego of an 18, 17-year-old kid that you're sitting there, man, I'm going to bring Florida State back. I'm the guy that's going to help them be back to the days of Dion and Jameis. And that, and that's an easy sell. That's why we keep talking about this. Florida State's not a hard sell. The history and what they bring, and Demos talked about it, how special of a place. Listen, those kids that went to that Notre Dame game, whether they won or lost, are never going to forget that night. That still lingers in their head. So they have hope this staff but they have to as a staff continue to pound that into these recruits heads listen it's not the result the wins or losses because those are going to come when you guys step on campus but we need you to get to that level uh-huh. no fish you made a great statement and if it was said it was one of the best statements that norvell could have made all we're doing is holding down the fort 
We're building it. We're putting it together. We're organized. We're structured. We're just holding down the fort, man. But we need help. We need the posse. You guys got to come help us so we can win these games. You know, the only thing that they don't want to do is get blown out. Yep. Like you said, Fish, they lost to Jackson State, Jacksonville State, whatever the heck it was. That was as ugly as could be. They should have never lost, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't get blown out. Yeah. The next week they came and played. They didn't get – they haven't got blown out yet. Yep. The kids fought, fought, fought. So that's credit to him and his staff. And like you said, if he told them he's just holding down the fort, man, we need, we need reinforcements. Hopefully they're on their way. I think sometimes it's easier to recruit in a situation like this. It is. Because you, is. you know, you're, you want these kids that are really good and you're telling them you're going to one, one thing kids want is that opportunity to play right away. And now you're telling them you're the difference. You're the, Hey, put me on that staff, put Demo on that staff. I guarantee you, even at two and 12, we're going to get kids to go there. See what happens. What kids want to do is they want to go somewhere where it's great and they're going to continue to be great. And they're going to get in the field, maybe their sophomore, junior year, maybe if they're even fortunate enough earlier, but they want to go somewhere where the tradition's already great, a la Alabama. Listen, or, or they go to a place like Florida State that has everything in place except the players. If you come, this is what it could be like. Like you said, Fish, that Notre Dame environment. It's in their and, head. And, Demo, it's not like they're 20 years removed from winning. They, no. they want, like, they, they've won while these kids – yeah, maybe the kids were young, but they still have won. They've won oh, three national – But, I mean, but, again, they're – they're not that long. They're not that far removed from winning, but their entire structure has changed significantly. There's no, there's no, is. listen, I understand that yeah. you're asking me what Norvell has to do. And I'm telling well, I'm you, I'm not asking you what Norvell, I didn't ask that. I said very simply how the expectations low, how the expectations lowered to the point of where, you know, of, of where, of where they're, they're kind of in a spot where, where their ceiling has changed a little bit, you know, that's really, I, I think that, I think their expectations at Florida state are still to win a national championship, but they're so far away from that. You have to incrementally get up, up to that level. Like you have to have goals. Hey, our first goal is to get to six or well, seven wins. All right. Our so next, like, like believe, this, do you believe like everybody who's made the, um, who, who's basically tried to justify the struggles of this group, that this is a five-year rebuild plan at Florida State. Do you want I, to- I, I think I think the people of Florida State, all right, and you look at the history of I'm not that, asking what they think. I'm asking what you think. I don't th- listen, I don't think any program should be five years, not with okay. the way that, that college football set up. I'm telling you what I think the people in that side of that pro- program think that this thing is such a mess, and they're gonna give Mike Norvell every opportunity to get out of it. And they're not going to fire him this year, next year. Like, no, like, I never, unless I never, he's, thought, it's, it's, I never yeah. thought that as a case. To be honest, I think if they go six and six next year, he's going to get a contract extension. Yeah. Which worries me because that really tells me that they had no expectations because you can't uh, be given. I, I, I look at, look at, look who's running that, pro, look who's running that school. I mean, yeah. they, the guy comes out, the athletic director came out last week and said, Mike Norvell's our guy. And it wasn't like, he was even sweating about it. That's that's just his feel. And as long as that guy's there, he's got the support. Guys, when you lose a game or multiple games, the impact on the community, the fan base, not to mention the coaching staff and the players and all the amount of hours they put in to try to get a win, it's detrimental. And then you lose multiple times. It is really, it's almost like it's took the wind out of you have nothing left. So for those guys that keep fighting the way they do, you got to give credit to that coaching yeah, staff yeah. because because what happens is when you don't realize you lose four games, you're about ready to hang yourself. 
and then you get that one win. And I know why they ran around like it was a Super Bowl. I know why they did it. But yeah. they got to continue to get better and do it because I don't think the expectations are lower, but they're lower because the talent's lower. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Unlike, unlike both of you, I'm going to give credit to the kids because they're not the kids. Give credit to the coaching staffs. And yep. probably the kids are the ones that got to go out there every week. They're the ones that have gotten blamed for all this to start with. They're the ones that the fans say they suck and they're not good. They're the, no one's targeting the, the tight ends coach, you know, they're targeting the players. So good for the kids. Corey, I was coaching staff look good this week. That's made them look good during most of the struggle season by continuing to fight and play hard when that record has gotten worse and worse. And when they have taken verbal beatings Monday through hey. Friday about how no doubt they Corey, are. Corey, that goes for the whole, whole entire program. Corey, we try to warn everybody before the season this was FSU's worst roster. We've never put the blame on these no. players. We no. haven't. We, we just said they're not good enough. Yeah. It has nothing to do with yeah. the players. Okay. They're, they're out there putting their uniform on it. It's not their fault they're there. Somebody, you know, it's like, listen, they've been recruited by this staff and prior staffs, and that's, that's on the coaches. We haven't blamed the players on this. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of these guys are playing above their level. I mean, Corbin, yeah, I, I thought Corbin was done. He's playing above his level. Treshawn Ward's playing above his level. These yeah. guys, these guys are giving everything they have. They're just absolutely. not that talented, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. No, kudos to them, Corey. Kudos to them for winning. I saw the smile on number 11's face that was so big. They won the game. They won a game. Yeah. That's huge at any level of sports when you win. Winning is fun. Losing stinks. Losing I, is no I'm fun. I'm glad you mentioned Jermaine Johnson, too, because Fish and I, and obviously we joke a little bit because we, we knew he was going to be very good. He's been tremendous. Yes. And to have a guy that's probably a first-round pick in the NFL draft that I don't think he needs to play anymore this year, frankly, you know, the way because he's showing everything that he needs to show. But the fact that he's out there really working it when his old school, the school that he could have easily stayed at, is probably going to be playing for a national title, and he's out there grinding it on a on a rebuilding on a rebuilding squad. I'm, you know, I got a lot of respect for Jermaine Johnson. I have oodles of respect for that young man. But it's yep. a it's a business decision that went the right way, and kudos to him. Like you know what, he saw the opportunity to get on the field right away. He has the ability, and he's that's all him. That's all his hard work. Yep. And you know what, he's going to be rewarded handsomely come next April. Like I told you before in the podcast, I'll tell it again. That number zero, number eight, they run the ball. They hard. run hard. They run, run hard. Run hard. Treshawn Ward, a former walk-on. I mean, really. both uh, – this is a stat that's crazy. I think yards per carry, the two of them are in, like, the top ten of college football this year. That wow. tells you a lot. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. I know, Dima, I know you got to hop off. So, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to jump in here. Great job, guys. Um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um. Justin Otto is our producer. We're part of the FNF Coaches Network. You can find uh, you can find the Fishcast at about in pretty much every place that you can find a podcast at these days. Thanks to our good friends over at FNF Coaches that have helped us get a higher level of distribution. You can find us on Twitter at the Fish Podcast. A lot, a lot of good things coming up. I thought we were gonna. Uh, I think we got a couple of good fun coaches that'll be coming up in the next few weeks, and we'll be getting onto that pretty soon. But until then, any final thoughts, guys? Coach Demo. Um, the only thing I would say is, like my man said last night, Liberty City Warriors, baby. 
Liberty City Warriors, baby. Yeah. What about you, Fish? Uh, base, uh, how's your how's your uh, how's your how's your travel ball team doing right now? Uh, I mean, listen, they had a rough game last game. Only eight. We had eight kids. Uh, our best pitcher decided to get on a hoverboard. Oh, yeah. How did y'all play the field? Uh, we uh, not well. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> <laughs> not well. I mean. Uh, you know, Ethan threw, like, I think it came out to like 58% strikes, but they happened to not play anybody in left field. And that's where the balls were getting hit. So our center fielder was chasing a lot of balls, but um, no, overall it's, it was fun. I mean, we have one kid break his wrist on a hoverboard and the other two better our two of our top players were out this weekend, but we'll bounce back. But overall um, you brought up Jessen. Jessen's coming down next week. So you may have to make a trip down to south florida i might have to make a trip down to hollywood yeah, you may you. owe him a dinner or something man absolutely absolutely he's on minimum wage a wonderful producer <laughs> a wonderful producer by the way uconn not bringing back any coaches so demo job is yours if you want it you know what if demo took imagine demo is a recruiting coordinator at uconn he would he would set up in your garage fish you guys football operation. Yeah, both would be hired on my staff. Hey, hey. Some way, shape, or form. There'd be, be a lot staff. of there'd be a lot of grills on that team. There'd be a lot you of got that right. Point man. That's cool. They'd have real they'd have the real jewelry, man. There'd be no fake jewelry. Yeah. I'd be recruiting a little bit warrior kid. Turnover chain at UConn football with you know, dude, dude, UConn would be South Florida North. <laughs> We're That's good. Right. You'd see like They'd be like, damn, the whole team, every trip would that they booked would be from M- Miami International Airport up to. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Everybody, have a wonderful week. We'll get back to you soon. Stay Owl. tuned, guys. Take it easy. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.